Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the Product in LA podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Cole, and this is an opportunity to shine the spotlight on some of the exceptional technology leaders we have as part of the LA community. Our guest today is Reese Quirk. Hey. Hey, Ethan. How's it going? It's going great, Reese. I'm, I'm super excited to have you here. It's going to be a fun one. Super pumped to be here. Thanks for, thanks for having me here. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, we'll chat with you one second, but we... We, uh, product in LA wouldn't be possible without the support of a couple places. Uh, the first is Uruit. That's U-R-U-I-T.com. They're a digital product development agency with over 15 years of experience helping US-based companies build web and mobile apps by scaling their teams with highly skilled professionals from Latin America. With expert full-stack developers, UX and UI designers, product managers, strategists, DevOps engineers, architects, machine learning experts, and more, when you work with Uruit, you're getting the collective knowledge of over 150 technology enthusiasts that are part of the Uruit team. To learn more, go to uruit.com. That's U-R-U-I-T.com. We're also brought to you by the Product Managers Association Los Angeles, available at pma.la. They are the largest professional organization for product and designers in Los Angeles. With more than 3,000 members from over 500 companies, they host monthly meetups, organize peer-to-peer -peer counseling networks, and have a mentorship program where they connect working product managers with students from underrepresented groups to build a more diverse and better next gen of, of product people. To learn more, go to pma.la. To learn about the mentorship program, pma.la slash mentorship. Our guest today is Reese Quirk. Very excited to have Reese. Uh, his present role is uh, actually a free agent. He's one of those who have been impacted by the layoffs of 2022 and 2023. Uh, as we'll learn, you know, some very, very strong people have been part of that. Uh, his past roles include Senior Director of Product Management at DirecTV. Uh, he's also had roles as a Product Manager at Diversus. And, and way back in the day, I pulled this one up, uh, he was a sales engineer at, at Philips. That's right. Well, <laughs> at Philips Dynalight, actually, but yeah. It's uh that that goes way back. Yeah, I dug deep. And then uh one interesting fact you you might learn about Reese by perusing his LinkedIn profile. Uh, he was a, an organizer for the LA Product Summit in 2019 that was dedicated to diversity and inclusion. Yeah, that was a fantastic day, wasn't it? Um really enjoyed uh helping to bring that to life. So um this is back in the AT&T days where we were sort of managing in an event space and we uh, pulled together some really awesome speakers and pulled off an, an excellent event that dug deep into diversity and inclusion and how it uh, impacted product uh, generally and then obviously how it uh, impacts our lives in general as well and how important it is for us to be aware of you know, a lot of the issues that exist today around diversity and inclusion. Oh my gosh, yes. And I think there was uh, 350 people who came together on a Saturday to, to participate in an event. Uh, yeah, that was, that was one of the, the highlights of, of things I've seen in the LA community. Uh, so yeah, thank you for your part in, in making that reality. Yeah, it was fantastic. That's great. Um, you know, one of the things we love to do here in Product LA is, is learn about, you know, the people behind the technology that were that's being achieved out there and, you know, about how those people came to be. Uh, Reese, can you tell us about your journey into technology? Was this always a straight shot or were you, uh, did this kind of, you find your way here from from some wind, winding road. Yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of people, um, I took a, a sort of a journey that took lots of forks in the road. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be here with the 
the skills and experience and the value that I have today without taking some of those forks. Um, and, you know, I was really, I feel very blessed and lucky uh, in my life to be able to have taken part in so many different roles, you know, throughout the course of my life. And, you know, it's interesting because like going back to kind of growing up, I feel like I had really great mentors, even though I didn't know what a mentor was back then with people like my grandfather, for example, um, who was, um, West, it's now Western Power, but back then it was Sequa, um, the, the State Electrical Commission of Western Australia. And he was one of the, uh, the accountants. I don't know what level he got to. Maybe he was the director of accountancy there or something like that. But um, he was one of the, the people that saw the wave of digital transformation mm. way back, you know, before it was even a thing. You know, this is back in the early 1980s. And interestingly enough, he was one of the people that instituted, um, you know, digital and computer-based systems for their accounting um, software back in the day. And what that meant was that, you know, whenever we visited grandpa's house, he had a Commodore 64. And what did that mean? That meant games for a, yeah. for an, for a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. Um, and But but it also meant that, um, you know, he, he was actually programming in basic language, believe it or not, back wow. in the day. And that really um, inspired me to at the early age of kind of eight to get involved in writing my own like pick a path type um, basic programming games and that sort of thing. Uh, obviously, the blockbuster games were fun as well. You had Batman and Summer Games and all these types of things on Commodore 64. I mean, this is going way back for, and I'm sure some of your, your born in the 90s and noughties listeners would just scratching their head saying what the heck is he talking about <laughs> google it commodore 64 um but you know one, that, one of the original computers that were out there the one original, of the original personal computers yeah and i think it was i think it was called the commodore 64 because it only had 64 bits of memory i mean <laughs> we're talking about gigabytes of memory on any machine or any device these days so this is going way back when you had like a disk drive and you would, you know, load the disk drive, you would, you would load it using commands, you would load that into memory, maybe it took a few uh, disks in order to get to the game that you wanted to play or to, to the, the computer program you wanted to run at the time. Um, but it, it was such an exciting time because it was just so, you know, it was such a burgeoning technology and, you know, kind of that, that sort of sparked an energy and, you know, an interest that lasted a lifetime, um, you know, so so that sort of moved into owning an x86 and then a 286 and a 486 and a Pentium. This is all very PC, so yeah. apologies to the Mac people. That, that's that's <laughs> a lot of what there was back in it. I mean, there, yeah. there was the Apple II, I guess, but yeah, I remember, uh, you know, the 386, the 486 yeah, living, yeah. living in my family room. Uh, it was, and, and, you know, and it seemed like most families at the time sort of, you know, if they could afford it sort of adopted bringing the family computer in and, right. and then there'd be, you know, there was, it's two younger brothers and a younger sister. So we're all squabbling over the time that we could spend on the computer. Sort yeah. of. Um, and so, you know, my, interestingly, um, I, I sort of took a path towards, um, engineering. I did computer technology in high school and then moving on from there, um, you know, uh, took, took computer systems engineering, um, at Curtin University of Technology in Perth in Western Australia. Um, and one of the reasons that that even happened was because, you know, I had an uncle who said, Oh, you're thinking about doing computer science. Well, 
don't you think you should actually get involved in the actual microchip designs and microcontrollers and programming of microchips and so on? And I was like, hmm, that sounds kind of interesting. He's like, yeah, you could work on an oil and gas refinery. And I'm like, <laughs> hmm, okay. <laughs> but but that was kind of in my head at the time. Um, and that's that's big in Western Australia, and right? And it's huge in Western yeah. Australia. So I mean, the you know we have we have giant um, gas um, uh, platforms, the gas shelves up up northwest of Western Australia, Dampier and Port Hedland and those places, and and so that was kind of you know grew up in a mining town and an and uh, a, a gas town, natural gas town, and so that's that's what's going through your head. Oh, I think maybe I'll I'll be working on a gas platform with control systems or something. So. Um, that was kind of in the back of my mind and, you know, you could make a decent living and, you know, have a comfortable life, et cetera, doing that. Um, fast forward to kind of the end of computer systems engineering, completed the degree, uh, took my time doing it, met some fantastic people along the way that I, that I ended up, you know, hanging out with and living with in the end in Germany, but going back, um, <laughs> in Germany. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute, but, okay. um, you know, th these were people that were studying mechanical engineering, um, in a, in a university of Aachen, um, and then, okay. you know, kind of doing the, the Curtin university, the Aachen university of technology. Um, that's not the name of the university, but, um, we did, we did, uh, sort of a swap program with them. Um, and that was fantastic to hang out with those guys. And, um, you know, uh, that, that kind of, you know, hanging out with those folks and, and, and really kind of like hanging out with them and, and learning the things that I learned from them and from a mechanical engineering perspective was also interesting too. So there's kind of this computer and control systems and, and so on sort of background. Um, I finished my degree having worked for a, a Bluetooth startup at the time and okay. um, which was all about interoperability systems and it was way ahead of its time. I mean, we had mathematics PhDs who were designing, you know, um, Bluetooth coverage, um, uh, coverage patterns in 2002, you know, like this is, this is way before Bluetooth was like ubiquitous on every device. And the idea there was that, you know, you could bring these interoperability communications um, uh, tools and services and software into any business. So, you know, you could essentially have a little headset that sits on your ear and you could walk around anywhere in the office and be connected to the digital network that could then take advantage of the low cost of digital um, uh, voice over IP, which was in and of itself. Huh very emergent and new kind of technology at the time especially in 2002 yeah in 2002 IP, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um so so this was this was all the sort of the background so pretty heavy uh tech um lean and then uh like i said f sort of finished that up um decided to move to london uh in the united kingdom okay and w landed a job there with uh phillips dynalite they were dynalite at the time before they got bought out by phillips and they uh, uh, provide um, uh, building control systems um, and and lighting control systems. So think like um, large buildings with timer controls, passive infrared sensors, touchscreens on the walls, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, bringing all of that together so that you can um, harness energy um, and you you can make the energy work better for you, obviously. And so. This was again. This was kind of very early days, back when, back way before sustainability was even a word that people bounced around. Right. Um, but you know, the the big driver there was like you know cost down. So you could you could save significant lighting costs by turning your lights off at you know, various points of the night and um, taking advantage of natural daylight and that sort of thing. 
So um, I actually started there as a training uh, and, and sales-ish um, supervisor. So I, I was, uh, you know, I was a 23-year-old fortuitously <laughs> racing around London. Uh, London yeah, and, yeah, a boy from Perth now in London. A boy from Perth and yeah. London and, and, and all through Western Europe um, training, you know, people in Norway, uh, in Oslo and Norway on how to use the systems in, I mean, in audiovisual system integration applications and so on so fantastic job for a 23 year old did that for a couple of years yeah um and and then kind of worked my way back to um to to, to australia uh, worked for them for a number of years and and then continued on uh in sydney with uh with dynamite for a while um and then made the switch actually uh i was i was kind of interestingly enough i was working quite closely with lighting designers at the time uh, with a company called Lincoln Scott um, and who I think were bought out by WSP group, but I may be wrong about that. Um, fact check me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but at the, so at the time, there was a big move um, uh, into sustainability and thinking about how you could make buildings more um, sustainable. And, you know, um, so, so part of what um, Lincoln Scott did at the time was um, they had sort of a, a traditional building engineering group with lighting um, people, power people, energy, um, HVAC folks, so heating, ventilation, air conditioning, et cetera. But then they also had this sort of specialist lighting design team as well. And that was the team who I worked with very closely um, as a lighting control uh guy i guess you could call me i you know i was technically my my name i was a sales manager but i essentially helped to pull together um uh the designs and specifications um so i kind of provided them a somewhat pseudo sales and engineering um uh, um uh like sort of consulting um role um they ended up liking me so much and wanting to work with me so much that they brought me on as a as a building engineer and so oh, wow. there's there's Reese who's just who's sort of you know had a very hardcore technical background um you know writing code teaching people how to write code for lighting control systems right then now working working on building sites and commercial building sites and helping design buildings and and integrated systems so it, it was it was fun times um and and interestingly this is kind of taking things full circle uh the 2008 crash happened and bam instantly the commercial industry commercial building industry uh completely fell out okay. and i found myself sitting on a beach um you know paid a a, a reasonable um you know severance package uh, being able to like sort of rethink where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do, which is kind of interesting because it's sort of full circle today yeah, yeah, <laughs> to no. some extent. And so, um, you know, so so I got to sit down on a beach and think about like, what do I really enjoy doing? And um, when I was back in uh, back in my uni days, my college days uh, for the Americans here, um, I, I, <laughs> I, I would... Um, uh, I would go in uh, very late at night and work for a, a small kind of, uh, I guess these days you would call them a digital agency, but back then they were a full service internet um, agency, you know, okay. they'd offer domain names and web hosting and, but they'd also actually write um, websites. And so one of the websites that I helped them build was a, a day trading website. And so um, I would help code um, you know, websites back in uh, ASP, if anyone remembers that, That's like great. natural ASP language. 
um, with with server side statements and HTML all cobbled together. Um, so, so I was kind of I was doing that at night um, and then going to university during the day. And so that was kind of like you know I was bringing in some bread and making some money yeah. uh, at night time. And um, I thought about like how sort of fun and interesting it was to kind of bring digital experiences to people um, and, and and particularly um, you know more engaging and interactive experiences. So. Um, after sort of hum humming and hiring about it on the beach for a while, I ended up joining a, a digital agency um, based in in Crow's Nest in Sydney, where okay. I was based. Nice. And uh, they they actually they actually went on to win a bunch of awards that I was a part of. So oh, nice. you know this is um, uh, back in the days where uh, flash programming was still kind of a thing. Right. Um, and so you could, you know, you could animate and create really interactive experiences. And so one of the things that I was, you know, at the time very proud of was being involved in the 80 Acres Wine um, release, which is a their, their sustainable um, wine uh, um, product. And, you know, it was made with um, glass bottles that were made of less material and very easily recyclable, et cetera, et cetera. And so one of the things they wanted to do was to create a, a highly interactive and engaging website um that uh wasn't just a standard kind of greenwash um and you know by greenwash i mean like just throwing lots of like you know pretty plants and green things on the screen yeah just this, say, just saying it's a sustainable just for the the, the namesake but not actually right. doing it with their hearts in it right right exactly and so um i got together with that team and we looked at you know how can we create um a really engaging um and innovative experience um uh, that's kind of like a tool and a learning tool for um, not only kind of, uh, you know, the actual product itself, obviously, because we still want to sell a product, but also like how they develop the product and what, you know, what that product was really um, all about from a, from, an, uh, from a sustainability standpoint. And so that was fantastic because, you know, we got to develop literally on the back of, I, you know, I hear this all the time you know, a back of the napkin, but I literally yeah. wrote um, the, the the original storyboard for this site on the back of a napkin. That's awesome. <laughs> and it had, you know, like a, a cat with a seed and the seed like grew and, and it was in a woodland and it was sort of a sepia motif. And, you know, it was, uh, it, it was very, it was kind of like a really cool kind of forest scene as opposed to, you know, like a rainforest with lots of green everywhere. Yeah. It was kind of like brown, and but it still had like elements of green and so on. And so this little seedling grew and as you clicked on the leaves, it grew and grew and grew oh. and gave you more and more information about the product and the, the sustainable aspects of it. So that was fantastic. It was really fun to do and fun to work on and, and kind of le led into more of that type of work where I was involved in, you know, like digital experiences. So from e-commerce websites all the way through to like, you know, more corporate and, and custom websites and that sort of thing. That's awesome. And how, how does that translate into kind of what you're looking at today? Yeah. Um, so great question. So I think, you know, if I was to kind of quickly draw a connector between what I've done most recently and what I finished up there in, in Sydney, um, it was really around... Um, you know, I, I, I love the idea of developing uh, a product, developing concepts and developing, you know, like thinking through um, innovative ideas that could bring a product concept to life. And so what I, I guess to, to kind of draw a straight line to where I'm at today, 
Um, what I'm, what I really want to um, sort of do, and you know, if you looked at my LinkedIn profile, you'd see senior director of product um, and product management uh, at Directv, where I was working on streaming products. Um, it, it was really around, um, you know, developing an idea into the inception of concepts and product and mm. strategy, and then developing high-level uh, roadmaps and designs and execution plans at a very high level, and, and helping. Uh, the business directv at the time to uh, actually execute on it with all of the product teams we worked with with the content teams we worked with engineering etc and so i think to kind of bring it full circle um what i'm looking to do now is sort of sort of positioning myself as someone that can help um you know small to medium large uh, small to medium sized businesses um, who perhaps can't afford, um, you know, a chief product officer, CPO or yeah. a VP of product or someone like that. Um, but they, they can, you know, obviously they still need someone that can help them to crystallize and materialize um, what their product is and, and what the vision is and what the strategy is around it and so on. Um, and, and sort of really bring that to life and from a, from a high level strategy and, and high level execution standpoint, and, you know, part of it might also be helping them to, you know, bring together um, a, a real kick-ass, you know, product team um, that, that might, uh, you know, comprise of product owners or product managers uh, and, and, and bringing them in place and putting the processes in place and, and, and the product sort of strategy and uh, sort of an approach to, together that makes sense for them. Um, so that's, I think that's really what I'm really looking to do in the future. It's like kind of helping small, medium-sized businesses who, like I said, don't have that opportunity to get that, those sort of high-powered, or not, I shouldn't say high-powered, but like those executive level product people, yeah. you know, they can't afford the salary of someone like that for full-time. Um, however, they they might be able to, you know, take advantage of someone like me who's 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 a, a gun for hire, essentially. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like, uh, you know, a trend throughout your career has been this involvement and passion for innovation. It sounds like it's multiple tracks. You've gone down that road multiple times, whether it's, you know, uh, in the lighting space, like you mentioned with, with the Philips Dynalite. Dynalite, yeah. Dynalite. Yep. Dynalite <laughs> um, with the the early days of, of you know, the .asp developer days mm -hmm. for Paris. And then, you know, into the, the streaming during the streaming wars, it does seem like uh, that that's a, a consistent trend that you've had. And was it, we'd say that kind of, it's a passion, the, the innovation and is it sustainability and innovation or is, where do those two fit together? Yeah. I mean, uh, great question. I think, I think you can't do um, innovation without having some type of sustainable approach. I mean, there's a lot of talk these days on, you know, how you can exit a company and how you can get bought out and all that sort of stuff. There's still got to be some element of sustainability. You can't create a product that vaporizes in a year or two years time. Um, the idea is create a product that can scale and create, create a product that can meet your customers' needs and delivers true value um, and, and hopefully something that can adapt to an ever-changing uh, world, the, the, the landscape that shifts every single day, you know, like, I mean, all you have to do is open up your, uh, your, your news for the day and see 10 new generative AI <laughs> products that have hit the market. Uh, and all want to be bought out for billions of dollars, you know. It's it, and and uh, and I'm not like bagging them. I think they're fantastic technology. But I think, just like all technology, you know, it's 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 something that I think just needs to be thought through carefully around how 
you can take advantage and make best use of the technology as opposed to kind of cramming it in and thinking that it'll be a, a, a solve for all, you know. Yeah, no, it, it, and uh, as the recording of this, this is still in the, 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 the heyday of chat GPT is definitely the, right. still the early days. Uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't podcast be around for, so this, we have to keep this evergreen, but uh, <laughs> this is, this is definitely the top of mind. And I agree with you. I think that, you know, it's just a scratching the surface. I think that there are a number of fads that have come through technology in the last 10 years. Um, well, time will tell on this one. It's interesting. I think there'll be a number of players out there, but it, uh, it does feel like something's a little different right now. Yeah, it, it's, um, you know, it's interesting, like the way that I think about it, and maybe I'm being too linear, but um, is that, you know, technology tools um, since the caveman days have been there to help support humans, you know, from yeah. the early days of figuring out fire and that, you know, we could be warm for the night and scare off the predators all the way through to, you know, autonomous vehicles today that are self-driving and don't require, well, require very little human intervention these days, hopefully some. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but I, I think, I think you know, as, as you think about all of these um, new technologies, I think there are tools to help us, assist us. And the, the most, most important thing I think to think about is how can we actually leverage or adapt these technologies and tools into our everyday lives so that they make us you know, better human beings at the end of the day for, for everybody and for everyone's benefit. Um, and I, and I think a lot of people lose sight of that and get really typed and, 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 and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's like, it's fun to be in on the hype and to see all the cool stuff that's happening, uh, from a technology perspective. But, you know, I think about, uh, you know, even in my streaming experience where, we got really hyped up about augmented reality, you know, and we, mm. de we developed this augmented reality streaming experience and we were super pumped about it. It was, it was quite a substantial and sort of significant uh, endeavor. And, um, you know, uh, but, but I think un unfortunately, you know, we hadn't hit critical mass market adoption. And as a result, you know, yeah. people aren't walking around right now with the Warby Parker type glasses with an augmented reality experience. Or, or the Google glass. Or the, the, Google the original Google, yeah, Google glass. Yeah, that's exactly right. 2008. So, so I think, I think, you know, right place, right time, right experience, like these types of things need to be thought through so that we're we're thinking carefully about what what types of technologies we're bringing to bear that are applicable to average everyday people and and enriching their lives. That's that that's an amazing it's an amazing note to uh to to end on or at least until our last question, Reese. But uh, we always like to to keep it grounded here in Los Angeles. This is product in LA, and mm -hmm. uh, the last question I always love to ask my guests uh, is uh, what is the the most LA thing that's happened to you? It could be product related or or not. Uh, I mean, and this is probably going to be the same as a lot of folks responding to this um, question, but uh, it is a celebrity thing. Um, we're we're on on a drive to Ojai, and we stopped at this you know podunk Mexican restaurant, and it was beautiful food. Loved it. Um, but as we were walking in, I literally bumped into Natalie Portman and her family. <laughs> um, for those that can't see me I'm, or, or won't see me, I'm six foot four. So it's pretty easy to bump into people <laughs> accidentally. Um, and so we, we did. We bumped into um, Natalie, Natalie Portman, Portman and her family. And 
it was it was it was really fun she was very nice um i think we only spoke about five words but um <laughs> she was and she was there with the family so you know obviously we don't want to cause a a big scene but it was fantastic to see uh you know someone that you'd seen on the big screen like in an everyday situation it was actually it kind of did really materialize living in la oh that's amazing you know, I, you know I actually i once ran into natalie portman but it was like back in the the dorm days back when uh she was in a dorm i was visiting a friend and she was walking up the hallway this is back when she uh back from the professional days not when she was like uh in the jedi movies in right. black swan but uh that's incredible and she's <laughs> one of those people you you would recognize if you saw her oh out there. yeah unmistakable uh, yeah very very beautiful person yeah that's awesome and that's a that's a, I love that about LA. It doesn't even, that's not even on LA. That's probably the, the road to Ojai, but uh, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, I want to just thank you again, Reese, for, for joining us. This is a, a great conversation. Fun to talk to another technologist here in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, for, for again, for, for those out there, um, Reese, Reese is a, a proven tech leader who's open to helping people innovate. So please reach out to him. Uh, he's available at Reese Quirk on, on LinkedIn. That's right. Yep. Look me up. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, also like to, to thank our uh, our supporters again. This is PMALA. That's PMA.LA. And Uruit. That's URUIT.com. I want to thank you all for, for listening to us. And uh, we'll see you next time on Product in LA. 